Today's shiur will deal with the brachos we make in the morning that we call birchos hashachar. In the Gemara, in brachos, they have many of those brachos, not all of them, but they have many of the brachos, and they explain when you say them. The Gemara says, for example, when you hear the, ta- the rooster, the tarnagol, crowing in the morning, then you make the bracha, some have the text, Tulsus points out that even if you did not hear the rooster that morning, you still make that bracha, because the purpose of the bracha is to distinguish between the benefit of light and darkness. And the rooster does so discern, and but human being enjoys the fact that there's light. Then the Gemara goes on, for example, to say, when you wake, when you open your eyes, you make the bracha, Baruch Pokeach Ivrim, etc., etc. The Tosfos points out, only if a person benefits from this particular action does he make the bracha. For example, a person who dressed, who was still dressed, cannot make the bracha, who was still uh, lying in bed, cannot make the bracha malbisharumim. Like the Gemara says in Megillah, a person who never saw, a person who is blind and never saw light in his life, cannot break the bracha or yotzer hamorot. Because you have to have benefit. This opinion that the brachos were made originally to be said in the order of the actions that are being done, and while the actions are being done, was codified by the Rambam in Hilchas Tefillah, Perek Zayin. What's interesting about the Rambam is that the Rambam says clearly that the brachas should be made by every action, as you do the action. And for example, the Rambam says, when a person hears the roosters, he makes a bracha, when a person uh, puts on some sort of a head covering, a sadin al he makes the bracha, when he washes his hands, he makes the bracha, when he washes his face, he makes the bracha, etc. The Ramam seems to feel that you made these brachas before you washed your hands in the morning. We have a general feeling that we do not make these brachas before washing. And, in fact, the Magen Avram that we discussed last week said that was the reason they instituted or the, cu- the custom developed to say Ani that a person could say something appropriate when he wakes up in the morning even before he washed his hands. But you see from here, and the Rush points this out clearly and it's so codified in the Shulchan Aruch, that you really do not need to wash your hands in order to say Birchas HaShachar. Of course that would depend upon the situation in which you are found. If a person slept normally and feels that he did not uh, u- use his hands in a way that would 
prohibit him from davening, then we say you should wash anyway because of stam yadayim. Because of a chashash, who knows what might have happened. However, this chashash does not apply to nitzas yadayim. On the other hand, if a person is aware that he really did use his hands in an, in a, in, in an appropriate manner for tefillah, then he should wash his hands. The Rambam, however, goes on to say that the custom of the community in most of our cities, na'agu ha'am berov areinu, that these brachas are made one after the other in Bet Knesset, whether you were so obligated or not so obligated. And the Rambam says this custom, which was widespread, ta'utu, is an absolute mistake. It is improper, and you should not make the bracha unless you did that particular action. Our custom is generally not to follow the Rambam, and we make these brachas every day as a matter of course. In fact, most of the people make these brachas to my, the best of my experience, when they come to Bet Knesset in the morning and recite them in order. It is known that according to the Rambam, you would not make these brachos if the action did not take place. For example, the Rambam says that on Yom Kippur, when a person does not put on shoes, so he makes he does not make the bracha Sha'asali called Sarki, which is a bracha relating to putting on shoes. A person on Yom Kippur does not wash, so he doesn't make the bracha on the tilas yadayim. There is a rifle there that we won't go into, but according to the Rambam, you don't make these brachas. In Maserav of the Vilna Gaon, it says that the Vilna Gaon did not make the bracha she'asali kaltsarki on Yom Kippur. It is also related in the name of the Gaon that at the end of the day, of Yom Kippur, when he would put his shoes back on, he would make the bracha she'asali kaltsarki then. It seems from the this Ma'aseh Rav that the Gaon held that the brachas can be made any time during the day. They don't have to be made in the morning and they should be made at the time when they're appropriate. Apparently, the rest of the brachas were made by the Gaon, at least it doesn't say in Maserav, to the best of my knowledge, that he omitted any other brachas. The bracha Shasali Kalsarki, however, which was mentioned by the Ramah specifically, was omitted by the Vilna Gaon on Yom Kippur. In my experience, generally in America, in Chutzlaretz, people start davening in Shul by saying the Bircha Sashachar. One person gets up, and says the Birchas HaShachar out loud. In Israel, my personal experience has been that most shuls do not do that. Most shuls, uh, Israeli type of shuls, start by saying Psuke Desimmer right away. It seems to me there are advantages in the system of Chutzlaretz for two reasons. One, unfortunately, is a very pragmatic reason. The custom that I generally have seen in my life 
is that if Shul is announced that Shachris will start at 7 o'clock, people try to get there at 7 o'clock. If a person actually gets there at 7 o'clock and they start right away, he's always late already because by the time he puts on his talis, the time he puts on his tefillin, by the time he catches up to where the Baal is, he's already starting from behind. If the Chazan would start from Holdu or from Mizmashir, then he's even more behind. If you start from Brachos, at least it gives him a little bit more leeway to try to catch up. But the other reason is not pragmatic. It might be halachic. It might be based on minhagim. The Ari is quoted as saying that a person should do four things every day and they are hinted at in the word Sadiq. We know that the Gemara says that a person should make a hundred brachas every day. And I'll leave it to anybody who is interested to try to figure out how you make a hundred brachas every day. But the, the Ari said you should also answer 90 times Amen every day. Now, we get 38 by answering Shmon If a person goes to Shul Shachos and Mincha, he will hear 38 brachas. Still, it's hard to figure out, even with the Birchas Kriyashma and with other places where he says Amen, it's not simple to figure out how you get to 90. If a person hears Birchas HaShachar, so then there's another 15 or 18 where he has a chance to say Amen and add up to the 90 brachas. Derech Agav, the Ari statement is there should be four times a day that a person says Kedusha, and that's pretty obvious how we could do that. And ten times a day where a person should hear Kaddish, and it's pretty obvious also how we can do that. And that, he said, was the hint of the word Sadiq. Sadiq is comprised of four letters. Tzadi, 90. 90 Amens. Dalid, four Kedushas. Yud, ten Kadeshim. Kuf, 100 Brachas. Be that as it may, the Brachas were, are made in Shul, and, of course, the poskim, the tour, the Beis Yosef, all discuss why the custom has become that we say the brachas and shul against the opinion of the Rambam. Let's begin now by discussing the first bracha, I said according to the Gemara, the simple way of learning the Gemara, and I think the way most people understand it, you refer, this is referring to the uh, rooster, which has the, in, the sense to distinguish between day and night. The rush is quoted as saying that the word sechvi refers to a person's heart, lev. The lev is the source of understanding. And a person understands between day and night. Since the Tainagol is one who discerns between day and night, so therefore they made the bracha on Tainagol. But really, it refers to the human understanding of distinguishing between day and night. And therefore, the Rush says, in a sense, he agrees with Tosvis 
But he goes even a step further. A person who did not hear the rooster can still make this bracha because the bracha is a, a feeling of gratitude toward HaKadosh Baruch Hu that gave us the intelligence to discern between different things. The Sefer, Tzlosa da Avram, that Siddur that I quoted before, says that there are maybe there may be differences between these two opinions. If the bracha would be on hearing the Tarnagal, actually hearing the Tarnagal, so if the Tarnagal would crow and it's still night just before daytime, then you could make the bracha even before it's actually daytime. However, according to the Rush, who says that the bracha is related to human understanding of day and night, then perhaps one should actually wait until the daytime. He also suggested that the text of the bracha might differ. Some texts, as I mentioned before, have the bracha hanotein lasachvi in present tense, and others have it asher natan in past tense. Most brachas are formulated in the present tense. If it's referring to the in- intelligence or the bina of the Tarnagol, so it might be best to put it in past tense. Asher natan lasachvi, when HaKadosh Baruch Hu created the world, he created the Tarnagol with this inner sense. If it would be referring to humans, to the fact that we have the power of discerning between day and night, it might be more appropriate to say as we generally do. Rabbi Menachem Genak wrote an article about this bracha and he, in that article he quotes Rav Soloveitchik as saying that the bracha recognizes our ability I'm paraphrasing the sentence that's found in tradition number volume 25 number 2 Rabbi Soloveitchik noted that the bracha recognized the ability to distinguish between day and night which is similar to Havdalah and Menachem Genak, Rabbi Menachem Genak, goes on to explain that this bracha reflects that the Jewish religious experience is an obligation to distinguish between Kodesh and Chol. Kedusha and Havdalah are connected. Rabbi Genak also added that in a sense there is what I would call a rather homiletic interpretation to this bracha that we have faith all through Jewish history all through Jewish existence that even though we've had many many great troubles in the past eventually the Geula will come. The rabbis understood the crowing of the rooster in this essential world view. 
the rooster was able to see the end of the darkness and herald the new day, the new light. We have a similar capability of living through Galut and seeing the beginning of the Geula process. This is an essential part of Yehadut to believe that the Geula presence will, be, will take place and at every moment we just hope and anticipate this is what's going to happen. This bracha became the first bracha that a person makes of Birchot HaShachar. The next brachot are obviously rather problematic. The Gemara that I quoted before does not mention these brachot at all. The brachot of the Gemara in, that we learned in Masechet Brachot only refers to the brachot that are made upon actions. And these three brachot, namely Shalohasani Goy, Shalohasani Aved, Shalohisani Isha, are not mentioned there at all, and they don't refer to any specific action. The source of these brachas in the Talmud Bavli is found in a Gemara in Menachos. The Gemara says, Rabbi Meir haya, haya Rabbi Meir Omer, Chayav Adam Levarech Shalosh Brachot Bechoyom. The Gemara says, Menachas Taf Mem Gimel Medbeis, that Rabbi Meir said a person must make three brachas every day. And these are the three brachas. Sha'asani Yisrael. Note that the Gemara has a positive statement. Sha'asani Yisrael. Does not have the bracha Shalom Asani Goy. In a note in printed in standard Vilnashas, it mentions that the Tosefta does have the text Shalom Asani Goy. And that's the text that's quoted in the Rif and the Rush. Some suggest that Sosad Avram has a whole discussion about this that the Gemara in the Bavli might be an issue of censorship, that the non-Jews were offended, or we felt they might be offended, by saying Shalom Asani Goy, and therefore it was stated in the positive. Apparently, saying something in the positive does not seem to be as insulting as saying, I'm not you. To say that I'm I is somehow less problematic. Uh, for example, the Kohanim make a bracha daily, Asher Kiddushanu B'Kiddushaso Shal They mention positively that they have a unique Kedusha, the Kedusha of Kuna. They don't say anything negative about the rest of the Jewish people that do not have this level of Kedusha, the Kedusha of Aaron, but they say it positively. It seems that it would have been a nice idea, and we'll relate to this later, to make the bracha in a positive sense, Sha'asani Yisrael. Nevertheless, the text that we all say, the text that's found in Rishonim, is negative. Shalom Asani Goy. The second bracha in the Gemara is Shalom Asani Isha. Of course, we'll get back to that in a moment. Then the Gemara says the third bracha 
and perhaps surprisingly to many people, the third bracha is Shalom Asani Bur. That a person makes a bracha that he's not a boor. A person could translate the word boor in Hebrew into something similar to the English word boor, an uneducated person. That bracha would seem to be a sense of pride that I feel that I'm educated, I feel I'm a ben Torah, perhaps even a tamid chacham, and I make the bracha shalom asani boor. The Gemara goes on to say that Ravacha by Yaakov heard his son that he made the bracha shalom asani boor, and Ravacha by Yaakov responded, "Kuli hai nami, so much." Now, what did he mean by that? So Rashi points out two possibilities. One possibility is you made a bracha shalom asani boor. You're so sure? You're sure that you're not an Amaretz? Of course, this statement would be a personal statement to his son that you're taking pride that you're already a Tamit Chacham, or at least not a boor. The second interpretation of Rashi is that I understand why you would make a bracha shalom asani goi, shalom asani isha, because they're not chayiv and mitzvahs. And apparently Rashi interpreted here that the bracha shaloh asani goy refers to the fact that a guy is not chayv a mitzvah, only seven mitzvahs b'nei noach, and baruch Hashem I have kedushis Yisrael, and I'm chayv in more mitzvahs. The bracha shaloh asani isha would refer to the fact that I'm chayv in all the brach mitzvahs, whereas a woman is exempt from mitzvahs asay shaz mangrama. Two interpretations. So then the son responded, So what bracha should I make? From the question it would seem that the son responded, Okay, I don't make this bracha, but I must make another bracha. Apparently the number three uh, that Rav Meir said a person should make three brachas every day was accepted as a halacha and we're now we're trying to figure out what the three brachas are. So the Rav Achabayakov answered him, Shalom Asani Avid. The third bracha, instead of saying Shalom Asani Bur, the bracha should be Shalom Asani Avid. Then the Gemara asks, Eved Hainu Isha. Now I'm sure that the people who hear these words begin various associations with the Gemara's question. Eved Hainu Isha. What does the Gemara mean by that? So one could say, Eved Hainu Isha, that a woman is subjugated the same way a slave is in a state of servitude to his master. On the other hand, a person could suggest, Eved Hainu Isha, that since an Eved Kanani has the same status as a woman in terms of mitzvahs, once I made the bracho in mitzvahs, that a woman, I'm not a woman and therefore I'm chayven more mitzvahs, so, what would be the extra point of making Shaloh Asani of it? Rashi in Menachos has both interpretations. Rashi says the first interpretation, A woman is, in a sense, in a state of serving her husband. Lishna Achrina, another explanation, Hainu Isha, the Gamin and Lala. 
The other perish of Rashi is the perish of mitzvahs. That a woman and, and a slave have the same situation as far as mitzvahs. Therefore, there's no reason to make both brachos. The Gemara answers, Eved ziltvei. Eved is certainly worse than a woman. It's true that in terms of mitzvahs, they're identical. But still, a person certainly would rather be an independent woman than to be a slave. So, even though the brachos might have been made for mitzvahs, nevertheless, we have an additional bracha. Again, Rashi has two different interpretations that we won't go into now. Tosas points out that we don't make the bracha at all shaloh asani bur. Even though a real Tamit Chacham could make the bracha according to one interpretation that we said before, if Ravacha by Yaakov was not referring to the general concept that you should not make a bracha, but he was referring to his own son, so why don't we make the bracha shaloh asani bur? And Rashi explains, and Tosas explains, because today it's not too common to have a boor. A boor means someone who has no sense of chumish, mishneh, gemara, and Tosas points out that this was not so common in his day. Now, of course, the, these brachas, specifically the brachas shaloh asani isha, have become a topic of discussion and contention for many, many years. My brother, Professor Yosef Tabori, wrote an article about the three brachos of self-identity, where he discussed the history, sociology of these brachos from the time of the Gemara and Rishonim, until modern times. I'll mention some of his ideas in a minute, but first I'd like to refer again to the article of Rabbi Ganak in tradition. The Rav is quoted again as saying that the brachas were made in the negative form because this is the theme of Havdalah. The brachas are formulated, formulated in the negative rather than the positive, for as relates to Havdalah, the negative is far more important than the positive. However, the Rav pointed out that when we make a bracha, Shaloh Asani Gaish, Shaloh Asani Aved, we're referring to the fact that we have full Kedushas Israel and a guy does not. And Eved does not have full Kedushas Israel. However, the bracha, Shaloh Asani Isha, does not relate to Kedushas Israel because women have complete Kedushas Israel, the same as men. And again, I will read the, state, the statement that Rabbi Ganak made in quoting the Rav. The third relates to inherent distinctions in the existential makeup of men and women, not their respective Kedusha. A woman is endowed with complete Kedushas Israel. As relates to the intensity of that spiritual endowment, there is no distinction between man and women. When, man, when God spoke to Jewish people at Sinai, His words were directed at women and men alike. An important point to mention that Kedushas Yisrael of men and women are the same. Now, 
the bracha Shaloa San Isha has been interpreted in many ways, and many people have actually suggested changing or amending the bracha. Some of them have been Orthodox rabbis who suggested making a bracha that a man should also make a bracha Shasani Kirtzono. Some say the brachas in shul should at least be said quietly so that women who are in shul would not be offended by hearing the words. Of course, there are two issues here. One issue is the bracha itself problematic. And secondly, even if the bracha is not problematic, would a person hearing it feel bad when they hear such a bracha? There are people who suggested making the bracha in the positive because they say, after all, we have a source for that in the Gemara. The bracha she'asani Yisrael is a positive statement. Why can't we make a bracha she'asani ish? And a woman should make the bracha she'asani isha. Or why don't both people make, both men and women, women make a bracha she'asani kirtzono? As I said before, this has been a, a topic that many people have written about, but there are a number of interpretations of explaining the bracha Shalom Isha. Some of the interpretations range from the fact that people have suggested that women are on a higher spiritual level than men. They fulfill Ritzon Hashem just by being born, whereas a man is incomplete. For example, he has to have a Brit Milah. Man is perhaps better had he not been created. If this is true, then it would seem that a person, a man should make a bracha, and the woman should make a positive bracha, isha. These, this interpretation in general is one that I particularly do not adhere to. I feel that men and women do have the same Kedusha, but I don't think it would be fair to say that men have more Kedusha than women or are more spiritual than women and, or, that men, or that women are more spiritual or have more Kedusha than men. Therefore, we would look for other interpretations and as I mentioned before, in my brother's article, there are many other interpretations quoted by scholars from various generations. He also has a discussion about modern approaches to this bracha.